From KOW in Seattle, you're listening to How's Your Day, telling you a story you don't know from a day we all remember. Today's date, April 19th, 1995. Early this morning, driving to downtown Oklahoma City, the, the whole downtown was covered with big black puffs of smoke. It was unbelievable. I was driving down there. I thought maybe it was just a big warehouse fire or something, and then Alfred it just kept Murrah getting worse. Federal building in downtown Oklahoma City. A blast that was felt for miles away. A U.S. government source has told CBS News that it has Middle East terrorism written all over it. President Clinton has declared this an act of cowardice and evil. This is not Chechnya or Sarajevo or Beirut. It's Oklahoma. Terrorism laid at America's heartland. If this cowardly bomb was designed to send a message that no one, no place is safe, it sadly succeeded. away to the north there's a there's a large building in between yes large building in between where the explosion took oh place goodness. and where this is and you can see all the the windows blown out of mm -hmm. the building behind it it's incredible if you're in that area be sure and walk in the middle of the streets because they're still falling and flying glass. we don't get to choose the day we're going to have we just get to choose how we're going to deal with it and we should be prepared as best we can for whatever the day brings My name is Brian Udell, and as long as I can remember, I was wearing my dad's fighter pilot helmet around and dressing up like a pilot. He started me flying when I was nine years old. I took my first cross-country flight when I was 10, and I got my license when I was 17. To be a pilot is, uh, I'd say we liken it to uh, medical school in a condensed form. It's 55 weeks. It's a fire hose. Your days are typically 12 hours long plus study time and uh, Friday night you cut loose, Saturday you recover, and Sunday you spend all day studying again and getting ready for the next week. If you're faced with a life and death situation and you've not been trained properly for it, it can take you well up to 10 seconds uh, to make a decision. Well, by that time, you're dead. The survival rule of threes are that you can only survive about three seconds if you don't have the will to survive. From day one in training, the will to survive is always the most important thing that they teach you. You can only survive about three minutes without air. You can survive about three hours in extreme conditions, extreme heat or extreme cold. You can survive about three days without water three weeks without food and three months without human companionship. As we walked up, I could not believe what was happening. You really couldn't believe your eyes and you especially couldn't believe that it was actually happening here in Oklahoma City. It's almost surreal. I mean, the first time I flew a Strike Eagle, it, it was, it was, you're anxious, you're excited, you know, you're, you're focused, you want to do everything right, you are amazed at how big the airplane actually is, and you're really amazed at how much power it has. Every airplane that you encounter has 
an ejection system. The reason that they don't replicate an actual ejection, obviously, is the potential for injury or death is, is pretty high. The amount of G-forces that are applied to the spine and back under a real ejection, obviously it could, uh, it could hurt you. And so they don't want to hurt you, they want to train you. So the first time that you pull the handles in an emergency situation to leave an aircraft is the first time that you've actually done it. And our mental health center area at St. Anthony's, we're told is a bulletin board. On the bulletin board is, they will be periodically updated, a list of names and where those people, the names of the victims, where those victims were taken. Some are at St. Anthony's, others at University Hospital, Children's Hospital, and various places. Uh, also, uh, many of their conditions will be known. The weather out over the water that night was uh, kind of a hazy uh, type thing, so there was no discernible horizon out there. It was pitch black. There was no moon, no stars. It's, it's a different sensation. You can be upside down and feel like you're right side up. Um, you can be going straight up and be going straight down. And that's basically what happened that night. It was out off the coast of North Carolina. I went into a right-hand turn at 24,000 feet and 400 knots. I was listening to that airplane, and that airplane was talking to me. What I was hearing and what I was seeing made absolutely no sense. I bring up an attitude indicator that gives me that same information, but it's formatted differently. I looked down at that, and that had me pointed straight at the water. And it was at that point in time, I realized that that's it, we've got to get out. And I commanded the ejection, I got in a body position, and I pulled the ejection handles. From the time I got out, eject, 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 and then pulled the handles, we're now at 6,000 feet. I left the cockpit at about 1,500 feet, and I got my parachute roughly 500 feet above the water. Perhaps the, the pain they feel is gonna come later. Right now, they just can't even believe it happened. I mean, there's just incredible shock. You go to work, it's a beautiful day, um, gorgeous spring day here in Oklahoma City. You go to work, it's, uh, you've been there a short time, and all of a sudden, it just breaks loose. I mean, it is just an unbelievable event. My body went from 800 miles an hour to hanging under a parachute in three seconds. The wind blast was much like being hit by a freight train. You can, uh, you can see what wind does in a tornado, and that's, you know, 100, maybe 200 miles an hour worth of wind. You can see what happens when a, an Indy car smashes against a wall at 200 miles an hour. You can see what happens when a, a hurricane comes rolling through at 100 and 20 miles an hour. Now you can all, uh, try to envision what the human body goes through when you eject at 800 miles an hour. 
broke all the blood vessels in my head and face, my eyes. The microphone inside of my mask uh, hit me in the mouth and chipped my front teeth before my helmet was ripped off. Both arms flailed back. It dislocated both elbows. The buckle of my harness, that hit me in the ribs and broke my ribs. My right leg, when it got out into the windstream, it started whipping. It dislocated and tore all of the ligaments that hold your leg together. I went from hanging under the parachute to about 10 feet under the water. I cannot describe the unnatural feeling. When I would try to kick, the top half of my legs would go one way and the bottom half would go the other. But I could not get into the raft. If I kick my legs, they're useless. And so I'm trying to horse myself in to this raft uh, with one functioning arm. I can't do it. Uh, the adrenaline is going away pretty quickly. I'm totally exhausted. And that's when I thought, this is it. I'm going to die tonight. We have several ambulance services, fire departments, um, numerous help. What have you seen so far in terms of types of injuries? Um, what are you expecting? Um, that kind of thing. Well, they're starting to do the search and rescue and extrication from the building. So this is this is probably where we're going to see most of our fatalities and serious injuries because there are people trapped under rubble. They now are up to 12 kids. They are treating at the Children's Trauma Center, ranging from two months old up to 18 years old. There is an 18-month-old baby with burns over 55% of his or her body. We don't know the sex on that child at this time. The injuries are ranging from fair to critical right now. 65 adults have been treated either at university or children. There's so much concern for and about the children. What kind of injuries did you see? Were there serious injuries? Yes, I've seen uh, two in particular, one baby had glass in his head, and uh, another little black baby was like, you know, bleeding everywhere and cut everywhere, glass and stuff. And a, a girl worked with me, she was outside doing the windows, and the glass just blew right into her face. Chris Brown. How are you doing? You said you're here. You're not I'm just, no, no, I'm very shaky. But I just thank God, you know, and I'm really It was at that point that I just stopped everything and I started thinking about my wife. There's two things that I always wanted to do in my life. One was to fly fighters and the other uh, was to be a husband and a father. My wife was four months pregnant with our first child and I thought how selfish of it would be for me not to be there for her when our child was born. So I stopped everything at that point and I put my head on the side of the raft and I said a little prayer. I said, God, I can't die tonight. I've got a wife and a baby I need to see be born and uh, I need some help. I 
so I tried one more time. Just at the point that I had failed on the previous attempts, I managed to get myself up into the raft enough. I ride it up one side of the wave, and when it crested the top of the wave and went down the back side, it caused me to roll right in. I managed to get the kid in with me. I got the zipper open, and I reached in and I grabbed the water packets. That was like somebody flipping a switch. Uh, I immediately stopped shaking. I could start thinking clearly. I got the salt water taste out of my mouth, and I thought, okay, now it's, it's time to get busy. I gotta apply the rule of threes. When people find themselves in a survival situation, the thing that they forget to do is survive. Most people start thinking about rescue. Oh, I've got to get rescue. I've got to get saved. I've got to, you know, get myself out of this situation. The one thing that you have absolutely no control over is when you get rescued. What you do have control over is, is whether you're alive when they get to you. I knew I would be out there all night and, and well into the next day before they would be able to find me. At night, with any kind of sea state and no moon, the chance of finding somebody in the open ocean is pretty much zero. It's just by a needle in a haystack luck. So my job is, as a survivor in the water, is to do what I need to do to get myself to stay alive uh, until the next, well into the next day. I have been out here now about three hours. The problem is, is I'm running, I've run out of things to do. And I'm starting to get real sleepy. I felt that if I went unconscious or fell asleep, even to try to take a little nap, that I may never wake up. I kept dozing off and nodding in and out, and I kept slapping my face and doing everything I could think of to, to stay conscious and stay awake. About the time that I was, I was really really fighting, I heard a unique sound of the turboprops of a C-130 Hercules aircraft out there. And I pulled the side of the raft down. I could see the aircraft, position lights on the aircraft flying a track. I could see off in the distance quite a ways the searchlight of a, uh, a helicopter flying a pattern. I'm going home. This is a record building. And what happened next? Just the whole back of the building just fell in on us. It's just literally like he was a big core. Just all fell in. Everyone along our set of offices had um, back injuries, head injuries, neck, bleeding, glass. The pain during the rescue was uh, amazing. I felt every expansion joint in the concrete as that gurney rolled up the sidewalk. 
I remember going underneath the awning and the doors opening up. We're rolling down the, the uh, hallway and I'm, I'm seeing the fluorescent lights go on uh, overhead. And then all of a sudden the gurney came to a stop. I looked around and there was my answered prayer. There was my wife standing there. CBS News reporting tonight from Oklahoma City, where the grieving continues and the healing has begun. The President of the United States declared this a national day A little more than 100 hours ago, our state was a quiet and happy place. No one could have dreamt that today we would be gathered in such numbers or in such limitless grief. We have come here today for prayer and to begin a time there is a lovely parable of a man who looked back on his life and saw it as an endless series of footprints in the sand. At times, there were two sets of footprints side by side, and he remembered those times as happy times. At other times, there was only one set of prints, the times of sadness and pain. He confronted God, and he asked him, why he had ceased to walk beside him when he most needed that support. Why, he wondered, had God abandoned him? And God answered, but my son, those were the times I was carrying you. He carries us today, cupped gently in his loving hands. From KOW in Seattle, Washington, you've been listening to How's Your Day. Today's date was April 19th, 1995. How's Your Day is made by Arwen Nix and Shane Mailing. Our editor is Jim Gates, and our producer is Whitney Henry Lester. Our music is by Jen Champion. Special thanks to Brian Udell and Bill Shedd at KJZZ. Tell us a story we don't know from a day everyone remembers. Our email is howsyourday at kow.org. Support for How's Your Day comes from KOW listeners, like you. There's another podcast I want to tell you about, How to Be a Girl. I've listened to every episode, and it is amazing. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts, including KUW.org.